0: Satanism evokes ancient fears in the hearts of many communities all across the world. It's a word that I would often associate with such evil things as Jeffrey Dahmer or the exorcist or my mother-in-law's cooking. Really revolting, terrifying things that lurk in the shadows and try and steal your soul. But once I actually spent time to look past just the word and delve into what satanic beliefs truly are, I was actually left feeling quite ashamed over my ignorance. Satanism is in fact pretty normal. And has a lot more to do with celebrating yourself than praying to some horned demon god who's all butthurt about getting kicked out of the VIP section in heaven. To gain even more clarity about what Satanism is, I talk with Doug Mesner, aka Lucius Greaves, who is a spokesperson and one of the founders of the Satanic Temple. We talk about the persecution that Satanists went through during the Satanic Panic of the 80s and early 90s. The differences that lie between his satanic religion and the established Church of Satan. Yes, there are multiple satanic beliefs out there. Whether he considers himself a cult, a religion, or a nonprofit, How he has turned down multiple TV reality deals. And we also discuss his various PR campaigns that have got a lot of attention within the media. So without further ado, here's my talk with Doug Mesner, a.k.a. Lucius Greaves. Well, dude, I always wanted to talk to a Satanist. And then when I started looking into it, I was so disappointed... (laughs) I I was figuring I was going to talk to like some snake charmers, communal teeth filing around the Bible bonfire, and then there's like Wiccans hanging from meat hooks on bungee cords having sex orgies, and it's none of that.
1: You're really going to have to look towards uh, some of the fringe Christian groups if you're going to want (laughs) to find the real weird shit. Because when you really find some evil activity going on, you have people doing that under the understanding that they have the moral
0: high ground. That's so true, man. Why do you think that the mainstream media has always sensationalized Satanism? Well,
1: you know, you look at a lot of the things they said about Satanists in the 80s and 90s when the whole satanic panic was going on. It was kind of a uh, more politically correct prejudice because uh, some of the more rational detractors figured, I guess, that they're an imaginary subgroup anyway. So what's the harm, you know, anytime you have an outgroup? it's not benign somebody always suffers and we saw that with the satanic panic too people went to prison people people's families torn apart on accusations of horrific crimes they could have never committed
0: can you talk about that the satanic panic
1: that was in the 1980s right they really officially dated sociologists who study the phenomenon with the release of a book called michelle remembers and that it was supposed to be a true story written by a psychiatrist and his uh client who later became his wife (laughs) (laughs)
0: Jesus. Uh,
1: Under his care, she was supposed to have recovered these memories of having been abused by a satanic cult. And this was taken as a true story by a lot of media. And she was on shows like Oprah and and that type of thing, talking about her experiences. Well, if she was on Oprah, it must be true. Yeah. Even even though there was... uh, there were supernatural claims in the book. It wasn't this straightforward um, secular tale of of Satanists uh, attacking this woman. Uh, Satan himself actually makes an appearance in this book and abuses her. What? And at some point, uh, Jesus takes away her very physical scars. So, uh, I guess also taking away any corroborative evidence for her story. So this was nonfiction. This was supposed to be non-fiction, and people took it as such. And it it took, actually, uh, Christian journalists who were a bit put off by the whole satanic panic um, investigated some of the more mundane claims about her past and were able to debunk those to the point where the book was considered completely discredited. And there was another book that kind of followed that up called... uh, of Satan's Underground by a woman who called herself uh, Lawrence Stratford and it turned out that 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 book was completely based on on lies as well in in the whole idea of the satanic cults even 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 though these books were completely debunked really took off and was really rather propagated by this uh, bullshit therapeutic technique of recovering memories from people where you know there's this kind of Freudian notion that any of their Any of their psychological problems, any of their clients' psychological problems were rooted in some kind of early trauma that had been deeply repressed and could be drawn forward. I think you're probably aware also of the alien abduction phenomenon where the same thing would, would happen. These therapists would build this bizarre narrative with their clients and then take them as fact because they were so sure that their therapeutic technique had this kind of
0: scientific legitimacy to it. And this kind of thing still happens Yeah, it's called PCP. I've seen people smoking in basements and all of a sudden they think, hey, I'm in a spaceship, you know. But I also think it's the mainstream media. It always seems they love to sensationalize it. It's so easy. For every one story about what it really is, there's like 10 about how dangerous cult Satan is. I mean, just in time this summer in July, they had an article, The Rise of Satanic Cults with a hooded robed man on the cover. And then you read the article and, and basically it's, it's saying the exact opposite.
1: Well, the, the media also puts the highest value on anecdotal reports, which, mm. you know, if you're looking at things from a scientific perspective, you know exactly how bad those are. And when you have these, this victim narrative and people are getting all teary-eyed and, and emoting and all, all over the place and those types of things, that makes for a very sensationalistic story, too, and they're willing to overlook the clearly bizarre aspects of the tales altogether to the point where the, uh, author of Michelle remembers on, on talk shows and that type of thing and everybody's failing to mention the supernatural claims being made in the book.
0: I've read, um, what was the guy, the Memphis three, uh, Damien Eccles, I read his most of his book. I got to page 200. Then it was so terrifying to me. I had to put it down. This poor kid was charged with being a Satanist and, and murder. And he was on death row for like 11 years. And then he finally got out. In my opinion, the media is at fault there too. Because they're the ones that kind of convey this whole satanic thing you know and and these prosecutors jump on it and when it when you have a jury trials and you have 12 individuals that have been seeing this over and over and over and over and over again on news in media reports the first thing you think about when you think satan and you see somebody on trial is they're guilty
1: well i uh i've had reminiscent events happen of the old satanic panic that i've i've pushed back against in my time here uh, working as a spokesperson for the satanic Temple. And in Oklahoma one time, a reporter reached out to me and she was asking me about cattle mutilations that were supposed to be going on in and around Oklahoma and was asking if I felt Satanism could have anything to do with it. And I was asking her what made her think that there would be any satanic connection to uh, dead animals other than the fact that there was these dead, dead cattle laying around. And she got back, and she said she wasn't trying to be offensive or anything, but the uh, the locals were convinced that there was some kind of satanic activity in the these locals. bodies of the cattle laying around. And the fact of the matter is, is when anytime you, you have these cattle mutilation claims coming up, somebody there doesn't understand the natural decomposition process of the, of the animals. And, and she's describing these things to me and saying that, the uh, farmer was was certain the animal was, you know, alive the night before, and then, <laughs> and then was in this state the next day or something like that. I told her then I, d- I didn't want her to run this ignorant story and and maybe spark off satanic panic in her area again. So I said if we could agree to a uh, outside forensic analyst who understood the decomposition process. I, I was willing to bet her $1,000 that it was as I said it was, <laughs> that, that, that uh, there, there was no mutilation, taking of the ears and, the, and taking of the eyes and those types of things. And that, that was the last I heard of it.
0: What you should have done is you should have been like, you know what, you got me. <laughs> yeah. Those are my people. <laughs> and you'd have been like, what town you were in? She would have been like, just 20 miles south of Oklahoma. You would have been like, yep, yeah, that was us.
1: Yeah, you should see my collection of cow ears.
0: <laughs> I make a wreath, <laughs> yeah. and I put it on my neighbor's door. It's great. You should come by and take a picture. There's another great story. I, I don't think most people uh,
1: outside of Sweden are aware of it, and, and I think the book was just translated into English, but there's a book called The The Strange Case of Thomas Quick, and uh, in Sweden, this guy, he was known as their most prolific serial killer. Turned out he didn't kill anybody at all. He was, he was in with a psychotherapist who was helping him recover memories of murders he committed, and they were matching him up to police reports or, or missing people reports or whatever else. And, and the police and the whole whole official system over there was willing to go along with this narrative until it turned out. It was obvious it wasn't true at all.
0: Like, did you see that Netflix show that just happened with the uh, the making of a murderer?
1: Yeah, I just finished watching that the other day.
0: It's like the exact same thing. Police and prosecutors, instead of trying to prove someone's innocence, they try and prove guilt. That was not a particular surprise to me watching. No, any. not at all. Not from after reading uh, Damien Echols' thing. Oh, yeah. And in, in Massachusetts
1: here... Um, the last uh, governor's race, we had a woman who used to be a prosecutor in Massachusetts running for office as, as, a, as a Democrat, and she was absolutely one of those prosecutors. She was one of those trying to uh, block an innocent man from having his uh, DNA test done that later exonerated him. She kept a man in prison for 18 years in, in Massachusetts uh, based on satanic panic accusations, things... You know, here, here was a guy who was accused of, uh, Gerald Amaralt, if you ever care to look up his story. He was accused of things that were really supernatural in nature. There was no evidence for the crimes he was supposed to have committed, and he was, he was put in prison anyway. And then when he's brought up for parole, she's trying to block him, saying there's no new exculpatory evidence, even though the argument was that there was no evidence to begin with. Damn. But... Uh, how easily that's all forgotten to the point where this asshole can run for uh, for governor in Massachusetts. I mean, she didn't win, but she should be in prison
0: herself. Let's talk about the Satanic Temple a bit. Can you talk about the development of the Satanic Temple? Was it like an aha moment that you had, or was it a long, drawn-out process that brought you to this point right now?
1: It was a long, drawn-out thing. In fact, this the Satanic Panic topic is is really kind of the origins with it for me. That That was my childhood, so it always made me wonder— about what what satanism really is. You know, when you're a little kid, you take these stories at face value. You see all these things on TV, Geraldo talking about these satanic cults and everything.
0: Geraldo.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Then later on, I'm 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 looking, you know, to see what where did this all come from? Because it seemed it seemed to me there was this idea of these cults everywhere. You know, satanism was this clear and present danger. And and so I was wondering, you know, who who really does self-identify as a Satanist after all these all these claims and everything else and it didn't take you know I, w- I wasn't too old at all when i actually started looking for self-identified satanists and meeting with them and it was something i had an affinity for for a long time and i, I later started to disagree a lot with the social darwinist Levayan perspective mm. but it was still something i had a I had a real affinity for and i really wished would be politically active.
0: And that's the established view of Satanism, modern Satanism, was a guy named Anton LaVey, who in the 1960s developed the Church of Satan, and he wrote a book called The Satanic Bible, which was kind of what everybody thinks of as Satanism today. Well, we're kind of-
1: uh, Well, now you guys are. Well, yeah, yeah. We're we're kind of the voice of the Satanic Reformation to a certain degree, (laughs) but I think there was some certain core values that LaVey put forward that are really no different with us um we're more clear on renouncing supernaturalism and we feel like we're, we're following the best scientific evidence of the day and, and stepping away from the strict social darwinist perspective and i don't think if you look at what lavey had said that he would necessarily reject that i, I don't i don't know it, it doesn't really matter one way or the other but but i feel like we're on we're on the right side of the argument in any case
0: what about atheism i mean in a sense what you what the temple of satan is is you're you're atheists
1: well we, we are but a- atheism is, is a real broad category you know a- atheism defines what you aren't as as some have put it well, uh, you know our satanism defines for us who we are and we have a body of affirmative beliefs that go along with that
0: do you consider the satanic temple a non-profit or a religion what do you consider it?
1: Well, we are a religious organization. We do consider it a religion. I mean, the, the, whether it's nonprofit or not, or not is, a, is just a matter of uh, legal filing. We actually filed as an LLC because we, we, don't, uh, we don't agree with the, the non-taxation of, of religious organizations.
0: I just read an article about that this summer um, by a guy from the New York Times who actually wants to abolish the tax exempt status for religions and nonprofits.
1: Oh, I I, I agree with that entirely, and I, I I well think they should. What will be interesting, though, is if we ever run into a situation, and, and I think there are situations out there where a local government or officiating agency only recognizes religious requests from organizations that uh, meet their tax exempt standards and are tax exempt before they'll receive any type of deference that comes to them. In, in which case, you know, we, we could file suit saying that, you know, it's against our beliefs to be tax-exempt, so you can't really hold that as a standard. But what would be interesting about that is we would have to be filing the claim as a religious organization. <laughs>
0: yeah. While the-, the
1: recognition of a religious organization would be dependent on this definition of tax-exempt. so
0: And who you're asking is a government tax agency known as the IRS, and they're basically the ones saying this is an religious organization, this is not a religious organization. <laughs> I mean, what do they know anything about religion? Yeah. <laughs> they have this power in America to choose which organizations have tax-exempt status, which ones don't. Yeah, and, and there was apparently a
1: big fight with the Church of Scientology as to whether they would be tax exempt or not yes. to the point where the Scientology was, was outright terrorizing the IRS for a certain time until they, they yielded. But I, I, don't, you know, I don't know enough about that situation because I'm wondering why, why was it so difficult for the Scientology to get that status?
0: I looked into it a little bit and I actually took some Scientology courses for a while. My uncle at the time, he was doing this group and he was working with these people, and they use Scientology Division Six methodology, which is this technology in regards to business, it's organization. And um, he had me learning that, you know, for his practice, but he wasn't like a Scientologist. He's a surfer, you know what I mean? He just wants to make money. Um, There was a church in New York, or, you know, uh, an org, as they call it. And uh, I don't know, I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. Let me go on the weekends. So I started taking like these courses about, personal integrity, and you have to pay. And you pay like $120 this time, $120 this time, but it's always they're trying to get you to pay more. And I would meet with this girl every once in a while and she would always keep asking me about my uncle. And she kept saying, yeah, you should bring your uncle. You know, come on, bring him then. You know, thinking that she he probably has some money. And it was just odd. And then one day I met this guy who was there and he was a, a hip hop guy. You know, he had the baggy jeans, he had cornrows and everything. And I was like, hey, what's up? I'm like, why are you here? And he was like, yeah, they paid for my, my defense. What? They paid for your defense? He was like, yeah. He's like, I just have to come here and help out and stuff. And, and I don't know who he knew in his family or a friend, or, but somebody hooked him up with the Church of Scientology and they helped him out. And then as the weeks would go by, I would only go like maybe once a week and I would skip some and I would see him and he like transformed. One day, like a couple months later, I tried to give him like, you know, like a dap, like a handshake. And um, he was like, no, hell, how, how, how are you doing? How's everything? They totally got him. <laughs> like they took that guy in just a number of matter of months and he was going every day, I bet. And the methodology is when you read something, you're supposed to understand every word. And when you don't understand a word, you're supposed to look it up. Right. When you stop remembering something is where you didn't understand a word. So they would question me. This guy would come over. He'd be like, what's on page 82? I don't know. I don't even remember my brother's birthday. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, well, let's go look at it. And then they would break it down like by word by word. What's the? Like the definition of the. I don't know. What's the? <laughs> you tell me, motherfucker. <laughs> I don't know what the is. <laughs> You know, he was like, let's look it up. And then they had me do this e-meter test. And this is the last time I went. (laughs) And it's a lie detector test. They put you, they make you hold these things. Then they they go over the book. What happened on page 79? I don't know. Something about this. And then like the the e-meter went like, and I just threw the e-meters down. I was like, listen, guys, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm done, bro. It was crazy. It's a cultish behavior.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And when you have an organization too, of course, that that asks you to uh, detach from family and friends who aren't aren't any part of them, or or, or the uh, Church of Scientology has strict rules about apostates. You know, when, once you leave the organization, you you are not going
0: to be smiled upon again. They look at you as the as the enemy. Oh yeah. This going clear. This dot, latest documentary on HBO. If you if you haven't seen it yet, you should see it. It, it really killed them. Like it put a dent. Do you get worried about that? That sometimes uh, you're forming this religion, and all of a sudden you gain a lot of popularity. You start building a hierarchy, and you're drinking the Kool Aid.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, it's it's up to me to set it up that way, and I I, I really have a a keen awareness of uh, of cult behaviors. This is, <laughs> these are these are things I've I've, I've studied and, and learned about, and. You can actively resist those things in an organizational structure, and when we're setting up a, a rather democratic system right now, putting a council in place and that type of thing. And um, you'll certainly never find us trying to isolate people and set up that type of insular environment where they can't question what's going on around them or detach from family and Apostates and and all that type of thing. So
0: we're having like satanic integrity courses that you have to pay like one hundred and fifty dollars for to get you closer to Satan.
1: Right, right. Doing business the satanic way.
0: <laughs> right. How to be a satanic leader, one on one. For a few years, you've done a lot of these PR. I don't know stunts, but campaigns. You got a gay and lesbian couple to make out on the grave of the mother of the founder of the West Baptist Church, who was this really like this racist organization in America. You commissioned the statue of Baffinet, which is this half goat, half man creature, and you were gonna place it on the Capitol grounds in Oklahoma next to a statue of the Ten Commandments, but they ended up taking it down anyways, right? How do you balance the circus with the substance? I was running the organization. I would be afraid that people might get caught up in all the bullshit and lose the message.
1: Oh yeah, and that that happened at first too, because people only started seeing us at first because of that kind of media interaction we were having. But um, you know, for me, I was I just need to look look forward into the future. I knew we would vindicate ourselves just by having legitimate goals and having a legitimate internal structure and, and working towards positive ends on on a broad spectrum of issues. So I really wasn't too terribly concerned about that, even when, um, like, as you said, some of our first uh, major media had to do with the antics at uh, Fred Phelps' mother's grave. I mean, that, that looks like pure theater and that type of thing. We get this criticism every so often where people say, well, obviously you're, you're just out for attention with some of these things. And, you know, because you're in the press a lot, Obviously, that's the goal is getting into the press a lot. But, you know, when you're doing a public campaign, you do need press around that. You want to bring attention to the issues, especially when you're trying to uh, provoke uh, a dialogue, get a debate going and and cause change out in the real world. Of course, you, you want that kind of presentation. But I think we've actually demonstrated a lot of integrity when it comes to how we handle the media and i get offers all the time we get production companies and that type of thing networks reaching out and wanting to do even shows with us do a whole series of of filmed events and and that type of thing
0: like you could be on after duck dynasty on a and e
1: yeah something like that well that that's that's what they propose they propose this kind of shitty insulting reality tv type structure
0: yeah docudramas
1: right right in the type of thing that that would turn it into a, a series of personal narratives, you know, where they would do some kind of biographical profile of me and then several other members or whatever, and we just won't do that, and and I just don't do that. I just don't let the uh, the press around me turn into press about about my personal story and that type of thing because I think it diminishes the issues we're working on. It diminishes the the work of all the other people involved in the fact that this is a a generalized type of movement that a lot of people can embrace. It's not my personal story by any means whatsoever, and and we're not willing to cash out in that
0: way. And you're the new Satanist on the block, because like we said before, the established Satanists, like the Church of Satan, they've been around since the 60s, and they're probably pissed that you're stealing their Satanists. What is the difference between you and what they do? Well, actually, they,
1: they don't do anything. They, they've they been around since the, the 60s, but they they haven't really done anything since, I, I don't know, since I can remember. When you see them arguing, uh, and you're right, they they are pissed. Uh, they exist online, and I, I think that's, that's the only place they do exist. And, and they, they'll rant and rave that uh, the types of things we do, the type of political activism and that kind of thing, isn't real Satanism. And, and real Satanism is quiet and hidden or some damn thing like that. It's, it's just a bunch of cognitive dissonance um, trying to explain away the fact that they, they don't have any, any public presence at all and have no uh, organizational behaviors to speak of or, or no accomplishments to show of anything. But um, really, I'm not concerned about about them. I, I never even thought of us as encroaching on on their their game to begin with and and I actually didn't think that we would get this kind of pushback from the the church of satan but it didn't take long at all before their their current head started writing all these disparaging things about that we do more and more i, I don't think anybody really pays attention to that earlier on people would always reach out to them and ask what they thought of what we we're doing and you'd see a lot of these a lot of these things where they would say well the Satanic Temple is doing this, the Church of Satan says this, or whatever. And that's happening less and less, and I think they're kind of, I wouldn't say dwindling into irrelevance, because they've, they've been there for a while. We made them relevant just by our very presence coming in. I think their their irrelevance is becoming more notable now. People recognize it more. So I, I don't think we'll be hearing anything about them at all in the near future if things continue on this trend.
0: You seem to be more political in what you do, in a way. I mean, in the beginning, it seemed like you were almost parroting the absurdity that lies in those situations where church and state come together, like in 2013 in Florida. There was the governor Rick Scott. He passed a bill allowing for student-led prayers and assemblies. And then you held a press conference saying that that was great because now Satanists can pray too.
1: And you'll you'll find that attitude still with with what we're doing. And in, in Phoenix, I don't know if you've seen some of the news around Phoenix, Arizona, right now. They're they're going absolutely crazy over there because they allow their city council meetings to be open with invocation. So we we applied uh, a couple Satanic temple members. Applied to give the invocation at the Phoenix City Council meeting, <laughs> and they were they were immediately approved. That's awesome. And uh, there, there was no real pushback. And then weeks later, they put out a press release saying that this was going to be the case. Uh, the Satanic Temple was going to offer the the opening invocation, and then that's when when all hell broke loose. And now the uh, now the Phoenix City Council is trying to revise its rules and oh. uh, and, and enact this revision retroactively. We're kind of at this standoff right now. I, I've said in no uncertain terms that if they if they do block us from giving the invocation, that we will sue. <laughs> and uh, uh, so we'll see how that plays out. But that could just be another thing. But back to the idea of you know us being political. That seemed to be kind of LaVey's perspective earlier on too. To his credit, was that Satanism wasn't this kind of private esoteric practice it wasn't this kind of philosophical masturbatory exercise that it was supposed to be something that was initiated and engaged in in the in the real world and cause real world change was kind of the uh the the primary drive the the goal this was supposed to be a, a very tangible force in the world and that's the way i see it uh, otherwise you know, what's it for just to scare your friends and in dress in dark fashion. I,
0: I don't know. Are you surprised at how popular you become? Because in the beginning, it seems like you were one thing, and now you're kind of morphing into something else. I don't think we're, we're
1: really morphed into anything else. I think people would be surprised to know how much of the long view uh, we had in mind from the start. You know, how, how much we kind of saw this coming or kind of mapped it out that we wanted to get involved in these secular battles and that type of thing. And it's working out very well. You're not alone in looking at how we've been perceived by the public and being, being rather amazed. And I'm amazed, too. I'm amazed that uh, people have been willing to openly support us in a way that would have just been unthinkable just just five years ago. To the point where there's a, uh, there's a politician even uh, running as state representative in Arizona and she, she openly came out in favor of the Satanic Temple in Phoenix. Um, you know, n- not just our freedom of speech, but she said things that indicated that uh, that she found our, our religious point of view admirable as well. You know, in a statement she had written, and, and things like that just, just keep coming for us to the point where it's, it's been commented on. People ask, how, how have you managed this, uh, this kind of PR for something like this? And I, I think... Uh, I think it's just because uh, despite what people always fear of us, that there's some kind of pranksterism and artifice going on, you know, a lot of what we do underscores the absurdity of what's going on around us. But we've been very, very straightforward and and very open about our intentions and goals, never really disingenuous at all. You know, you you see this kind of playfulness with uh, things like the pink mass and, and the Rick Scott thing. When it comes to the atheistic religion and those other viewpoints that's really absolutely where we're coming from Mm. and and i think it's it's some untouchable arguments we have
0: five years ago i don't think people would have publicly come out as pro-satanist especially affiliating with your group as much i guess it's because the information is so readily available now you can instantly on your smartphone or your tablet look it up and find well, out about
1: well, it. Was, I was able to see it happen. Um, in, in the Internet, of course, drives drives a lot of that, or all of it, to the point where, you know, if it weren't for the Internet, we would probably be not not much past uh, square one from, from where we were, but it moves so fast from there. And when we uh, originally had started our Baphomet campaign, we had written to Oklahoma and said we wanted to offer a – a monument to complement and contrast their Tank Commandments monument. We got all this press attention, and you could see that journalists, they didn't want to side with us. At that point, it's still unthinkable. So the the best you could possibly get from anybody is to to see them saying, well, you, you might not like them or what they stand for, but this is what religious liberty is, and that's as far as it would go. And when you first started seeing people openly come out in support and say, actually, their values are fine, too, and, and this isn't what you think it is, you'd see that in the comments of articles. Once you started seeing some of that pile on in the comments, I feel like it, it emboldened some of those writers to then write the next piece, not having such a such a cautious response towards us, but being a little more openly supportive of us. And then, when you get the the opinionators on on some of the uh, pre news sources, you know, like Huffington Post, they have much much greater latitude for uh, opinionation and those types mm. of things. Then you start seeing some of them come out in support of us, and then it's just and then from there,
0: it just it keeps growing. Yours is an internet religion.
1: Yeah, it's it's started internet age. Yeah,
0: and that and that's just so interesting to see. A belief like yours grow as the technology grows.
1: Yeah, as opposed to being destroyed by the technology like Scientology. (laughs) Do you think you're going to have lobbyists in
0: Washington in the future or what?
1: It's, it's, you know, if things keep going the way they're going, I think so.
0: Schmoozing it up with, with the NRA guys right yeah that would be so funny like if you're going to these luncheons and you be like hey i you know my name is uh dan florian what's your name i'm with the nra out of austin hi my name is uh john i'm with the satanic temple <laughs> 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 that would be fucking awesome oh america's a beautiful place and i think we'll stop right there at satanic lobbying i think it's a perfect place to stop Jim's Velt is available on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Sprecher, on Stitcher Radio. If you haven't already subscribed on iTunes and rated and commented, please do. I would really appreciate that. For Jim with Jim's Velt, I thank you again for listening. Peace.